What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Ignited Youth Podcast. My name is Samuel Farrell. I am a licensed exhorter in Zion Assembly Church of God, and I'm going to be your host today. Sadly, Jack wasn't able to be here, but I know that he really did want to, and he's looked over my script and everything, and he's helped me along the way. But right now, we are in the biggest snow that I think I've ever seen. I mean, it is like six to seven inches. It's cold outside. It's not going to melt anytime soon. So I did get off of school, but that makes it hard to, you know, be in the same area as Jack and be able to record. So I'm going to be able to record this episode this month. I know he really wanted to, but I know that next month he'll definitely be back to record. So before we get any further, you know, it's been a while. It's been a while since we've been on the podcast. So I just want to go ahead and say I hope you had a Merry Christmas, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, it was a very great one on our side. We got to spend a lot of time with our family and we got to, you know, travel and see different families. So it was just a wonderful time and we hope that it was the same for y'all. So I guess without further ado, we can just go ahead and get started. So for today's topic, you, you've seen the title. We're going to study a fairly familiar passage. I'm not sure if many of y'all have heard of it, but it's a very familiar passage and the theme around the passage is being ready to give an answer. So we have one scripture for today. The scripture is 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. So I'm going to read it in the King James, and then I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation to sort of help you get an idea of what's going on here. And again, if you have a notebook, take notes. You know, it's good to take notes along the way. It'll help you, you know, keep this stuff in your mind. And uh, yeah, so the King James Version of 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. But let's just read the New Living Translation and see what it says. It says this, You must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. So even as clear and needed as the scripture is, you know, in churches of today, it just, it's not read that often. I'm sure that many of us, this is the first time that we've ever seen this scripture, but it's important because the preparedness of the believer is not being thought of today. It's just not. And it's, it's just a lack of consideration towards being prepared to answer for your faith. So to help you share the importance of this passage and to help understand it, let me bring out three key points in the scripture that must be stated, and I'm going to expound on them a little bit. So the first point is the sanctifying of God within our hearts. So this is how we prepare for giving an answer. So the first part of verse 15 says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. So the Greek word here, the Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but the New Testament, which is where the scripture is, the Greek word that's used in the in the original language is sanctify, and that word is hagiadzo. Now say it with me, hagiadzo, which means to separate from profane things and dedicate to something. You know, this is the second word in this scripture 
and it's already just straight off the rip. It's just a huge word that you can break down. So to separate from profane things, going back to the scripture, it says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, which now means do not give your heart over to profane things, but dedicate it to the Lord. Separate it from those profane things, from those bad things. So in order for us to be prepared for telling our faith to others, for ministering our faith to others, we must dedicate ourselves to God. That is step one. So notice how it never said that we have to grow in our knowledge and memorize all these scriptures and memorize all the doctrines and all of that. But rather it says focus on the heart rather than the mind. This is important to understand in our faith. Yes, studying the word is extremely important for the believer and it is absolutely needed to prove himself in the faith. But the ministry has to start with the heart. The Apostle Peter chose not to mention the studying of the Scriptures here. But why not? It's because the knowledge of the Scriptures is useless if you don't know God personally. You must establish your relationship before you can be ready to give an answer for God's Word. You can know all of the, you know, theology and the confusing words and all the the original languages that can be found in this world, and you can still not have a relationship with God. I mean, think of Lucifer. Lucifer was in heaven. He was, he was standing right next to God. He knows just about everything about God, but he was cast out, and it's because he did not establish and maintain his relationship in perfect harmony with God, and he didn't do it on the solid rock, which is Christ. So, to help you understand what's going on here, there's a theologian, his name is Adrian Rogers, and he, he said this quote, and I feel like it, go, it just it says it the best. What good is it if you know Greek, but you don't know God? <laughs> Bible study gives you knowledge about God, but obedience gives you the knowledge of God. There is a complete difference. So, those who are of God and have His Spirit dwelling inside of Him are ready for the proper studying of the word in the scripture in order to help answer unbelievers questions so you start at the heart you lay that foundation in your heart of who god is who christ is and who his people are and then you start building upon it with the studying of scriptures so that you can be prepared to give an answer so it takes the word to understand god but it takes our heart to know god personally yet of course without the word there would be no entry to the heart because the word is sharper than any two-edged sword. So truly, a believer with the Holy Spirit, a dedicated heart to the Lord, and a studied mind on the word is prepared for the battle against the enemy. That is where the church comes in to continually fight alongside with the believer, to strengthen the believer, to uphold the believer, and to help the believer. The enemy knows what he is doing, so we have to be prepared to help people and allow people to help us so that we may understand what we believe and be able to give an answer for it. So the enemy knows what he is doing, and so that's why we have to be prepared by preparing our hearts and devoting it to God so that we're ready in battle. So the second point of this scripture is that we must give an answer for our hope and faith in meekness and fear. This is the work that a believer must do in order to help win souls 
to Christ. So the second part of verse 15 in the King James says, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So we're going to do the same thing like we did last time. Let's go to the original language. It says the Greek word here for an answer, it is apologia, which means a verbal defense. Now, this is where we get the word apologetics from. Now, that's a big word. You may have heard it before, but it's typically referred to reasoned arguments or writings to justify something. So it's typically writings or arguments or words that are used to justify or give a defense for something. So our job is to justify the Word of God and God's reasoning with reason and evidence, which is found throughout history and the Scriptures. So you may have been to the International Youth Camp recently, and uh, Brother Benia, he's one of the ministers in our church. He's the pastor of the Cleveland, Tennessee Church. He had a class about enduring to the rapture. Wonderful class. If you're able to see it, I think the slides are on the international website. Very, very good class. But he said that we can use different pieces of archaeological history to prove and to help give an answer as to Christ and who Christ is and give evidence that God is real, and we can use this evidence and this reason and this, this, this archaeological pieces in order to give evidence as to who Christ is. And so whether it's things throughout history, whether it's things throughout the scriptures, we can give an answer for Christ. We can give this answer for Christ, and we have plenty of evidence and plenty of reason to know that God is real and his plan is perfect. Now I want to look at something else. It says that notice that it says defense and not an offense. So instead of using our words for an offense to try and push in, rather we use our words to defend the faith. So too often we can use our words to be on the offensive side of sharing the gospel with someone. But we can't forget this fact. Actions speak louder than our words. So our actions are meant to deal with the offensive side. Our actions are meant to prick the heart. And our words, which can be quoting the scripture, the scripture is enough to pierce the heart. But the essence of our words is to defend. And so our actions are meant for the offensive side in order to show the unbeliever that God is real and that the fruit that we're producing is showing God through us, but our words are meant to defend that God is real rather than be on the offensive. So we must be on defense with unbelievers that question us, no doubt. And we shouldn't try to force the Bible onto them, especially in the world that we live in today. We must focus on being gentle with our responses to try and convince them rather than being forceful. So a lot of the time, more souls come to Christ because of the way that we act rather than the words that we say. Living out our lives is an ever-present testimony to the world that we are followers of Christ. What does Jesus say? He says, I shall know my disciples because they love one another. It's by their actions, not just by their words. So that's why water baptism is so important. It is a public action, and declaration 
of your commitment to Christ. Your water baptism through words is a defense as to why Christ is so important to you, but the action is an offense as to why Christ is so important to you. So all too often we see Christians trying to quote unquote defend Christ through winning an argument. And they do it by being forceful and radical, but all they're trying to do is win the argument. They're not trying to convince the other one's soul about God. Yes, Christ cleansed the temple with force, and that may be brought up, but that was when that amount of action was needed. The merchants were covering up the temple, and they were not honoring it like it should have been honored. Even though they were God's chosen people, they were defiling God's house. Force was needed in order to correct the temple. And in the same way, force is needed in order to correct the wrong. But in a discussion with someone, especially an unbeliever, it's not force that's needed. It's meekness and fear. A gentle spirit and a reverential awe, reverence, and honor to God in all actions. Even in the act of defending the gospel, we still must be in reverence to God. And we do this through honoring Him and having a gentle spirit. In the end, it is all about retaining that hope that we have received through Christ. With this hope being present, accompanied by the Holy Spirit of God, I believe that a Christian is capable of winning many souls to Jesus. And it may be intimidating to try and present a case for Christ and defend your faith, but with complete devotion to God and the indwelling of His Holy Spirit and the empowering behind it, all things are possible. Do you believe that? All things are possible as long as we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us. So the third point in this episode that I want to bring out is the final point. It says, we must be of a good conscience. That's what the verse says. This is how we must act. So verse 16, this is in the New Living Translation now. It says, keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. So with this point, I would like to expand on, you know, what was previously said about having a gentle spirit and how our actions are a testimony. So simply put, if we act enraged around unbelievers, we will have that title applied to us. And they won't seem crazy when they accuse you of evil. It says they will speak against you, but if we're acting crazy, then they won't seem crazy when they say that we are accused of evil. But if we approach our debates, if we approach our defenses with a clear conscience and a sure and truthful word, we will put our accusers to shame because everyone will know that their accusations are false. And it's because of our countenance, it's because of the way that we look and the way that we present ourselves. If we present ourselves with a good conscience, we will know and the others will know that the accusations of evil against us are false. So since we've lived out a holy and true life that is with the Holy Spirit's direction, we present ourselves as being different from the world and honest in all that we say. So we will have truly one as living sacrifices to God when we show the meekness and the love of God in our daily walk. That is how souls are one. It is through the love and the meekness of God in our daily walk. 
So as Christians, we are never to take a break in being an example. Let me say that again. As Christians, we are never to take a break in being an example to others. Sometimes the differences in you that shine a light to others are more powerful than any words we could say. We can speak life or death with words, but we can also show life or death with our actions. And in the midst of a dead and lost world, shining a light that is full of life can make a difference to any number of lost souls. So it can make them question. It can get them hungry for answers. And that is what God wants. He wants a passionate, hungry soul. Psalm 42 and 1, it says, As the deer pants for the water, Brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. If we can get an unbeliever to be like a thirsting deer in need of water, then the Holy Spirit can work out the rest. If we plant the seed in their heart and continually water it, then God will give the increase. All of this can happen by simply acting differently in a dark world. I could certainly talk in circles and try to convince you, but I'd like to give you an example within the scriptures of what a clear conscience and apologetics looks like. So let's take a look at Acts 6 and 9, and we're going all the way through Acts 7 and 60. Now, we're not going to read all of that scripture, but I'll read a few verses here and there and hope to bring forth a quick summary. Now, Stephen, I know that many of you have heard of Stephen. Stephen was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 5 of Acts uh, chapter 6, it says that he was sought for questioning because of his powerful ministry with preaching the gospel and performing signs and wonders. However, when they tried to argue with him, they failed. The Bible says in verse 10 that they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. They weren't able to resist it because he provided a good and wonderful defense. So he was so full of the spirit and so full of wisdom, and he sought God so much that he presented the better case in the argument and was able to convince them. This goes to show that when we have the guidance of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. And it's because of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. So, however, people then started to falsely accuse him of blasphemy. And it's ridiculous. They weren't able to resist him because of how spiritually focused and how spiritually true his word is. They said that he had stated very horrible claims against the temple and the law and the traditions and so on and so forth. But Stephen truly had the upper hand. Because listen to this. When they looked at him, verse 15 says that he had the face of an angel. He had a look of complete innocence and peace. He displayed exactly what Peter was talking about, a good conscience, a clear conscience. And then Stephen presented his complex counsel speech in chapter 7, and he started from the beginning of the Old Testament, and he worked all the way through to Moses and to Jesus. And he used evidence and context that they understood in order to win the case. So we have to understand that in giving our defense, we have to speak in context so that they will be able to understand. We have to deliver the message in a way that the unbeliever will be able to understand. 
And he did that. Stephen did that. And so he proceeded to say, and he made bold and and needed claims saying that they resisted the Holy Spirit. And through this speech, Stephen showed them the truth. He gave a defense, and he showed us how we are to give a defense. Sadly, he was martyred right after he gave this speech. He was brought outside, and he was martyred because of his so-called blasphemies. But we know that he received a great and the greatest reward. In verse 56 of chapter 7, it tells us that he saw the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. He was able to see Jesus before he would be able to be with Jesus. And it was all worth it. All of that glory that he experienced before he died, it was all worth it. Even through his suffering of death, he asked God to forgive his accusers and martyrs. And one of the people there, Saul, who's later called Paul, and all of you know Paul, he stood there and he watched Stephen die. And then he said in Acts 22 and 20 that the killing of Stephen was one of the many sins that he had done towards God's people because Stephen was a man of the Spirit and he trusted God and he sanctified God in his heart and he gave a good defense. So because of the outward boldness and testimony of one man, Saul, who was later called Paul, he was pricked at the heart because of this man's truthful word. That is how effective our words of truth can be toward any sinner. Stephen truly gave an answer. So Stephen lived out all three points that I've mentioned. He dedicated himself to God and was filled with the Holy Spirit. He gave an answer for why he believes in Christ, and he had a clear conscience. It even said that his face was like an angel. If we could put this scripture into action and be like Stephen, I know that God's message could be heard and understood by more people. So let us not have an arguing spirit, but a gentle one. Let's not fight against unbelievers like they're our enemy, but let's act like they're our mission field because they are our mission field. We can make a greater impact on sinners through our testimony and our actions than we can with words. And that is the truth. In this new year, let's be prepared to give an answer to the world around us about who God is and how important Christ is. And let's give that answer with meekness, fear, and a clear conscience. Make that your resolution this year. Maybe you've made a New Year's resolution, but make this your resolution that I'm going to be able to, to defend God's word and I'm going to be able to defend who Christ is because that's most important. It's in ministering to others and ministering in the mission field and being able to give an answer. So make that resolution this year. I'm going to know how to be able to defend my faith. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. It was a wonderful episode. And just remember, be ready to give an answer for what you believe. You have to be ready. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I know Jack wasn't here in this episode, and it was definitely hard to try and record. And I know that you guys definitely miss Jack, but he's going to be back next episode. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a wonderful time. And I hope that you guys are able to come back again. 
and you all have a wonderful day, and God bless in this new year.